You have reached Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey, a ministry and podcast of the Discover Young Adults Ministry at the Preston Crest Church of Christ in Dallas, Texas. We meet at 945 on Sunday mornings, and we have small groups all throughout the week. We are located at Preston Road and Highway 635 in North Dallas. My name is Jacob Hawk. I'm the Young Adults Minister and the host of this podcast. It doesn't matter if you are single, dating, if you want to be dating, if you're married, if you want to be married, or if you're divorced, or if you're trying to figure out at what stage of life you are passing through. At the Discover Young Adults Ministry, we want to help you discover life, discover love, and discover the Lord. If I can help you or serve you in any way, or if I can pray for you, please email me at jacob at pressandcrest.org. Welcome back once again to Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey. I'm so glad that you're here. Hopefully you're having a great day, and if you have a Bible with you, now would be a great time to open it as we're going to cover a little bit longer passage of Scripture today as we continue to make our way through Jesus's wonderful Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. If you're just now joining us for Road Talk, just now hearing about it, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the other episodes from this summer. We're taking this summer to go through Jesus' sermon. Again, we have no clue if this happened during the summer or not. It just seems like it probably would have been a good time to preach this sermon. A lot of people were outside and eager to hear every word that Jesus had to say, and we're eager today to hear once again these truths from Jesus. A young man and a young woman went out on their first date, and the guy, I mean, he wanted it to work. He planned the evening very carefully. He picked the perfect restaurant. He reserved a special table. He even brought some flowers and made sure that there was going to be some soft but live music in the background. And as soon as they were seated at the table, the woman started talking 90 miles a minute. And she just went on and on and on. And at first, the guy thought, well, maybe she's just a little bit nervous. But then he realized, no, uh, she's going to do all the talking. She talked about her shoes, her hair, her purse, her hobbies, her dreams, her likes and her dislikes, much to the irritation of the man that, that she was with. And when the food finally came, she said to her date, I'm so sorry, how rude of me to do all the talking. I'm tired of talking about me. Why don't you talk about me for a little while? Have you ever met people like that? <laughs> that if they get tired of talking about themselves, then they want you to pick up where they left off? The topic is always them. And you know, Jesus had something to say about that in his Sermon on the Mount. And we've been going through this series, but I tell you, truce from Jesus, because the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, they had twisted the law of God. They had made it say what they wanted it to say rather than what it really said. And so Jesus reminded them time and time again, you've heard it said long ago, but I tell you. And so far, we've considered what Jesus told us about murder and adultery and taking oaths and revenge and loving your neighbor and praying for your enemies. But Jesus also has something to say about drawing attention to yourself. 
the very thing the girl was doing at the dinner. Now, Jesus addressed this problem in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 17, which is the passage of Scripture that we commonly call the three spiritual disciplines. And I'm going to deal with each one individually. The first one is about giving. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 2, When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by men. Now, Jesus obviously was not against giving, and Jesus wasn't even against discussing the amounts that people gave. In Mark 12, Jesus tells the people, the poor widow gave more than anyone else. And in Acts 4, the liberal giving of Barnabas is very specifically mentioned. What Jesus was against was making giving a public show. That's why he says in verse 3, When you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Very similar to announcing your giving with trumpets. You know, There's no record of the Jews ever doing this. It's kind of similar to the phrase that we might use today, don't toot your own horn. Don't shine the light on your own victory. Jesus wants our giving, our generosity, to be a fairly private thing. Now, I know that Jesus mentions giving to the needy in this context, but I think it applies to our giving to the kingdom as well. We don't need to tell people, well, I'll just let you know that that I'm a big giver to this church, or my family's money keeps this church alive, or with the amount that I give, I should have more say. I mean, those are extreme examples. But I think it also applies to people saying things like, when my wife and I set our tithing amount this year, or we make sure to tithe every month, I don't know if Jesus would approve of such conversation. If we give so others will notice, or if we announce our giving so others will be impressed, Jesus says you're probably not going to like the result of such conversation. And then Jesus talks about prayer, the second spiritual discipline in this passage. And I think Jesus approaches prayer in two different ways. He talks about the motive for prayer when he says, Don't be like the hypocrites, the Pharisees, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. The standing wasn't a problem. It was Jewish custom for the people to stand as they prayed. The problem was the location. You see, it was also Jewish custom that the Jews would pray three times a day, at 9 a.m., at noon, and at 3 p.m. And when the time came, Jews would stop what they were doing, wherever they were, to say their prayers. But the Pharisees would watch the time very carefully, and when it came close to 9, 12, or 3, they would go to a very crowded location to pray so that they could be seen praying. And Jesus says, you aren't fooling anybody. <laughs> you could do it in private, but, but no, you have to have the street corner. You need the elevated platform. You need the limelight. And that's a big mistake. But then Jesus talks about the method of prayer. 
not just the motive, but the method, when he says, And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Notice he mentions the Gentiles here, not necessarily the Jews. He gets the Jews for the motive, but he gets the Gentiles, the pagans, for the method. Now, people have interpreted this differently over the years. Some say that Jesus is saying, don't say long prayers. That could be what he has in mind, although long prayers do tend to wear on people. He is talking about private prayer here, not public prayer, and Jesus gives us two different examples of his own prayers in the New Testament. The Lord's Prayer is pretty short. Jesus' prayer in John 17 before he goes to the cross, pretty long. So Jesus utilized different lengths of prayer as well. I think what Jesus is saying is, don't be so wordy. You don't need religious jargon to fill the time. In fact, that word babbling really means empty words. Have you heard people pray with empty words where people don't really mean what they pray, they just ramble on and on and on so they can be heard? Have you seen this happen in in the church? People use big religious words with five syllables. No one knows what they're talking about, and sometimes they don't either. They just try to impress people with their great religious vocabulary. Or they may even use public prayer as a time to preach. Lord, we know you tell us in Romans 8, 31 through 34. Isn't that ironic when people quote Scripture in prayer? I can just hear God saying, I know what Romans 8, 31 through 34 says. I wrote it. Why not include the, the scriptural breakouts? Call it Romans 31b through 34a if we're going to get real specific. Now, Jesus says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. We don't have to use big words. We don't have to quote scripture. We don't have to go on just for the sake of going longer. A simple message deep from the heart is exactly what God wants. But then finally, Jesus tells us the truth about fasting. And again, Jesus touches on the attitude when he says, Don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men that they're fasting. The Jews looked tired. They looked cranky, and we understand why. They were hungry. I'm a person who gets hangry. I don't know about you, but people always know when I'm hungry because it's evident on my face. But Jesus says, no, when it comes time to fast, wash your face, put oil on your head, freshen up. You aren't fasting so people will know, but so that God will know. Which does make you wonder, when people decide to fast, but they promote it on Facebook or other social media outlets or even in casual conversation or even churches putting out banners or great ways of communication telling people we're fasting, are they missing something? Didn't Jesus say, don't let people know? Hmm. This fasting concept is interesting because it's neither commanded by Jesus nor is it condemned by Jesus. It's just regulated by Jesus. Jesus implies it's okay to fast, it's okay not to fast. Either way, you just need to make sure you're doing it correctly. Which means we can't think we're spiritually superior if we choose to fast and others don't. 
or think that we're spiritually negligent if we aren't fasting while others are. That's why the Pharisees decided to fast, not so they could get closer to God, but so that they could hold it over people's heads. They were only commanded to fast one day a year on the Day of Atonement, but they were doing it twice a week, Thursday and Monday, the days that they believed Moses ascended and descended from Mount Sinai when he received the Ten Commandments. But even though they were doing it when they didn't have to, and even though they went over the top when they did do it, they made sure that people noticed. And again, Jesus says, anytime that's your motivation, regardless if it's with giving, praying, or fasting, it will never end well. All three spiritual disciplines get back to one main principle. It is between you and God. Jesus begins this passage in verse 1 by saying, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men. And then three times Jesus says that those who've done that, they've received their reward in full. The transaction was processed, they were handed the receipt, and the only praise that came was from the fruitless lips of men. Now with that being said, we do need to remember something important. We don't need spiritual discipline police. Did you ever go to summer youth camp for churches? Do you remember the uh, PDA police, the public display of affection police, when those glorious two-week teenager relationships begin? And they want to make sure that holding hands as far as it goes at camp, and really holding hands is kind of discouraged. <laughs> the PDA police... We don't need spiritual discipline police in our weekly gatherings in the church. What Jesus was against was the desire to be seen by men. But if someone is sincere in what they're doing, and if being seen by men is not their motivation, I think Jesus would also say that faith can be public and pleasing to God at the same time. Because it's equally as dangerous when people look at others and they make statements like, well, look at them raising their hands, or just listen to the way that they pray, or, well, here they are fasting again. All they want is to be in the spotlight. Maybe, maybe not. That's not our concern. In Matthew 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was the one who passed the judgment because only he is the one who has that right. And if we think it's our job to be the spiritual police, I think we've received our reward in full too because we also have the wrong motivation. I think one main truth echoes from the pages of this passage. The things we are tempted to hide, we must show. And the things we're tempted to show, we must hide. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, Let your light shine so people can see your good deeds. But he also says, let your light shine so they will praise God. Not you. And unfortunately, so many times we want it to be the other way around. Life has never been about us, and it never will be. If it's going to focus on God, show it. If it's going to put the focus on you, 
will hide it. We must be people who look to the heavens and who passionately say, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine, according to his power which is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church now and forevermore. I hope you have a great rest of the day. Keep your eyes on heaven, and we will talk to you next time.